Hello everyone. Uh, as always, in between episodes of our podcast, I get this opportunity to talk to Stella, our amazing editor. Uh, Stella was trained with a, a degree in pharmacogenomics from UCSF. And um, as you possibly know, if you've been listening, um, Stella is a world traveller. And uh, the last time we talked to her, I guess she was setting up a juice bar somewhere. Stella, where are you now? Are you still in Africa? Yes, I'm still in Africa. I'm still in Kilifi, Kenya. And let's just say the juice bar is on pause. Um, I'm still, you know, getting used to things here on the coastal side and, you know, dodging some mosquitoes. Oh, <laughs> so that's what I've been busy oh, doing. Mosquitoes. Yeah, I can't I can't keep flies out of my house. I guess it's much more serious uh, uh, where you, where you are with the possibility of malaria. Uh, you know, some of my closest friends are parasitologists and uh I've been working on diseases prevalent in Africa for years. And so what's your kind of personal experience of all of this? I had malaria a lot growing up um, in Nigeria, but I think overall, it's a lot of people have very safe practices. They use nets. It's more of a preventative care. But there's also um, some treatments that are going on. And I actually know some people where I am currently doing malaria research. I think it's still an urgent need that needs to be addressed, especially, you know, looking at pregnant populations. Mm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's really something that we should still focus on. Ha, interesting. Thank you. So we, we had that chance to talk to Arne Akbar. And what did you think of the episode? Yeah, I was really excited about the episode because he had this immunology perspective. And in fact, during undergrad, I had a project to describe what the immune system was like. And so I think when he used um, the army, it was really interesting because I would always think about it as a secret agency where you have, you know, the frontline people trying to, you know, <laughs> come in and take take over the wall of defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then having the secret agents that remember like, oh, we know you, we have higher clearance, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just thinking about the immune system that way. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to hear about the research that RNA has been doing, but also interesting to learn about something called cestrins. I had never heard about cestrins until now. Yeah, no, I learned a lot as well. And I, I was, I was very unaware of the, the whole role of cestrins and, um, but just, but just generally, you know, just, it, it's very exciting to think that we could modulate the immune system in a way that's beneficial. Um, I, I mean, I think we talk about the immune system a lot in a very sort of detrimental way that, you know, drives pathology, you know, everything goes wrong. We've got immune cells in the brain causing inflammation and so on. And, um, and, and Arnie came with a perspective that no, we can, we can, we can do things here that are beneficial. I thought that was very optimistic. Yes, exactly. And I think it was interesting seeing the connection between T cells and telomeres, you know, and it really didn't connect them together. Um, and then talking about how cestrins could actually be involved in that, where they can help, um, telomeres to not be broken down, to be extended instead. I think that could be like a unique perspective to study aging. Absolutely. And, you know, cestrins are these evolutionary conserved proteins that are very interested in modulating T-cell activity, including the, the, the length of telomeres. Now, so telomeres are, you know, as you know, the, the, the pieces of DNA burned with proteins at the end of our chromosomes. And they're extremely important in protecting the integrity of the chromosomes. And when you lose telomere length, it's it's really a marker of of stress and disease, uh, but potentially also of aging itself. 
So pr protecting the length of the telomere is really important. It seems to be particularly important in, in T cells, in these very important immune cells. Yes, exactly. I think they're something that should be studied. I mean, they're definitely studied, in, uh, but I don't hear about telomeres a lot when I hear about aging research. So I, it was good to be reminded about their importance. You know, telomeres were really a, a focus of many people's um, research in, in aging for a long time, uh, going back 20 years. And the thought was that telomere length itself was driving aging processes by driving cells into senescence, which which is true. Uh, if if you lose telomeres, you you do become senescent. Um, but the length of the telomere itself is really more a biomarker of uh, exposure to stress and exposure to disease pathology rather than simply chronological age. And now we have, I think, much better ways to measure. Uh, aging uh, through uh, different clocks, both at the proteome level and the genetic level. Yeah, and what stuck to me was when you mentioned, you know, telomeres and stress versus chronological age. I think that's something that we we talk about, well, not talk about telomeres specifically, but in the episodes talking about, you know, psychosocial stress over time and um, reproductive cost. So getting back to this level of seeing how aging can be reflected in these different parts of biology. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you think about human aging, that the influence of the environment is absolutely dominant over the influence of genetics. And and that, that really means that what we're exposed to and what our experience is, 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 is really driving different aging processes at different rates. And so it's, it's really important to think about all the markers that we can measure biologically that reflect those exposures to detrimental or, or beneficial environmental uh, factors. Exactly. And it makes me even think about epigenetics and environmental factors. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the, the ways that, that people are measuring aging right now is, is by looking at epigenetics. It's by looking at markers on DNA and DNA binding proteins and asking how those are changing. And those are, are, are clearly a readout of the things that we're exposed to during life that are then driving whether it's a successful aging outcome or less successful. So it's been a really wonderful, you know, first season. And I think we've done really well talking to all of these different guests. And um, I'm super excited to see where next season takes us. Oh, yeah. No, this has been an amazing experience for me, actually. Uh, you know, I'm used to answering questions, not asking them. And so uh, I don't know if it showed, but I was pretty nervous talking to these incredible scientists and, and asking them about their work. And I really learned an enormous amount. And I feel like what I hope is that we, we went beyond the, the science to the way that these people think and, and the, the, the trajectories of their careers and their thought processes. And one thing that, that really came over to me was the incredible optimism you know, if we think back to the, the near Barzilai episode, I mean, here is someone who, as a, as a trained physician, really believes we are going to move the needle in, in human aging. And it, it just comes through as, as a, a extremely positive. And, and that was so great to hear. And at the same time, you know, we, we, we also talked to people who are really studying the basic biology. And, and thinking about, well, you know, what's the evolutionary origins of aging to begin with? You know, can, can, we, can we learn anything about our health based on how we got here and why we're different from other species that age in different ways? And so a combination of the, the B 
basic biology of aging and then these sort of forward-looking interventions in aging to improve human health. That was tons of fun. So we've had a really positive experience talking to our guests about aging and, you know, the really positive outlook. But I think, you know, stepping back into practicality, I think with studying aging, there's still so much we don't know. And whether that's talking about how the brain is working, the gut is working, how are you dealing with this as a scientist? So one of the great joys, Stella, of of being here at the Buck Institute is the real blend of people with diverse interests that that are come to come to the building every day and and do science and we all talk to each other and we've got people interested in specific diseases like alzheimer's or cancer and we've got people who are interested in changes in the immune system with age and we've got people who are interested in the the genetic basis of lifespan and and simple organisms and things but we're all talking to each other and and that initially i think that was it was not obvious that we would have some common factor to really glam onto but but because we have aging as a central organizing principle you you find that people who are interested in breast cancer are studying the same mechanisms as people who are interested in the lifespan of a, a fruit fly or a worm or something like that and that's incredibly powerful i mean it says that there are there are conserved mechanisms throughout different species, species that we can study in the lab, that are impactful on human health. And almost on a daily basis, you can have a conversation where you're going, wow, really? You you guys are studying that? Well, we're studying that too, but in, in a completely different way. And I, I hope that this is something that's happening across the entire aging field, that people are realizing that the that it's almost like this geroscience idea that aging is the target to improve human health. And that it really doesn't matter where you come from in biology or medicine. If you just think about aging as the organizing principle, then there's a po possibility you're going to make progress. Uh, and I, I, you know, people talk about being a, at an inflection point in the field. And I have to agree, I think we are. I think this awareness, especially amongst the younger scientists, the PhD students, for goodness sake, even the high school students who come to the lab are aware that aging is a, a fundamental cause of late life disease. And that if we're going to close down the geriatric psychiatric wards, and we're gonna prevent a great deal of human suffering, then one way we should think about doing that is by doing the basic biology of aging. It's always good to get out the lab and talk to people around and see ways that you can actually, you know, you're studying the same thing in different ways and ways you can potentially collaborate. And for me this season, I really was interested in this idea of health span versus lifespan. You know, what's the point of all this aging research? You know, how are we trying to ex extend life? Uh, what what are we really hoping to achieve here? Well, we, we know that extension of lifespan itself uh, without you know extending health is is fruitless. I mean, nobody wants that. That's a, a terrible situation. Uh, in some ways, that's what we've been doing as a natural experiment in, in in human society. We have been extending lifespan, but not necessarily pushing out the the health span later. Um, and so, so yeah, it's it's really important that we focus on health. Of course, that that's that's the ultimate ultimate outcome of the research in this entire field that we improve human health. So. In the next season of this 
podcast, I hope we're going to explore this maybe a bit deeper and ask the hard questions about whether we're really improving health in our laboratory experiments and what's the expectation for improving health in humans. And Stella, there's a microscope waiting for you here at the Buck Institute on a bench. We've got a lab coat for you. Anytime you want to get back into this stuff, you're very welcome. <laughs> I hope the lab coat is bedazzled. <laughs> I look forward to talking to you about it. Okay, Stella, I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Talk to you soon, Gordon. <laughs>